Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Break. I'm Father Roderick and this week what you hear is actually recorded in the UK. I'm here for the Star Wars celebration and I've already got so many experiences that I want to share with you. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. So as I said in the introduction, I am currently in the UK. I traveled to um, to Harwich. No, is it Harwich? Yeah, I think that's where the harbor is. And um, by boat, which was fantastic. And if you want to have a, a, a little bit more information about that, I recommend that you listen to this week's episode of The Walk. Um, and my apologies if you do, because normally, of course, I record The Walk on um, a Zoom uh, H2N recorder which gives you nice stereo sound and everything. And I didn't pack my audio recorder. I only have video equipment on me and my phone. So I was recording the whole thing on my iPhone thinking, you know what? I will just, that, that will be good enough. It will be mono. But what I did not realize is that actually the iPhone does a lot of like compression with the sound and uh, audio enhancement. Well, they call it audio enhancement. I call it audio degradation because it, it wants you to understand what I'm saying. So if there's a lot of background noise, as you normally have in London, of course, it it, it becomes warbled and it's, oh, I, I'm so, so sad that that the actual result is is sounding so bad. But anyway, I do tell the story of the trip from from Hook, Hook of Holland uh, by boat to um, to Harwich, and then I took the train to London, and I've been in London for three nights already, and I did that on purpose, I've, as I've mentioned uh, before, because I wanted to to have a couple of days to get acquainted with the city. I've never been to this part of England. I've been to Scotland. I've been to North Ireland. Uh, Ireland. I've been to Ireland itself. I've never been anywhere south of 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 the the Great Wall, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the Hadrian's Wall. And so I wanted to take a few days to explore London uh, because it's a huge city, of course. And I will be back in London um, by the end of next week. So on Holy Thursday, I'll be traveling back to London. And I'll stay at a hotel for the Star Wars celebration at, for Holy Week, of course, obviously. But um, uh, that will be a very packed couple of days. And so I decided to first travel to London, explore the city for a couple of days. So I stayed there three nights. But since I arrived super early in the morning, I actually had um, four entire days where I walked around. And if if you're one of my patrons, um, then and you have connected your Patreon account to my Discord server, I've kept a travel log with with hundreds of photos and lots of stories. Um, so. Uh, that that's one of the perks if you are a patron. You, you get to see what, what I've been experiencing. And it's been a ton of fun. I will talk a, a little bit more about that uh, in, in, in the rest of this show. But suffice it to say that I'm, I'm super happy that I had those extra days in London because I fell in love with that city. You know that I'm, I love Rome, for instance. And Rome is in a certain way similar to London in that there is so much to see. Like every corner, there is a, a building, a monument, a, a park. Uh, it's, it's lively. It's, it's, it's vibrant. The main difference between London and, uh, and Rome is there are no Romans in, in London. So it's, everything is, uh, is, is very clean here, very uh, everybody's extremely polite and helpful. That was something that's already struck me on the boat. But even and later on, when I'm on the train, whoever I, I talk with, they're so extremely um, helpful and kind. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's very different from Rome. In Rome, the, especially the locals can be pretty grumpy. Um, in in stores, if you go into a bar, you ask for a cup of coffee, they will barely look at you. They're like, give I, give I. Um, and it's only if they notice that you actually speak a bit of Italian, then sometimes they will engage in a conversation. Whereas here, it's like, oh my gosh, where are you from, father? Are you from, oh my, you're from Holland. Oh, it's such a wonderful country, such pleasant people. And I hope you have a wonderful time. This morning I went out for a run. I'm currently not in London. I'm, I'm in Leicester. 
uh, with uh, Liz and, and Michiel. And so I went out for a, for a run. Uh, it was a gorgeous morning. It's, it's you know, I've had all seasons here while I was here. We, we've had like hail, wind, freezing cold, especially in London. And now this morning, it was, the sun was shining, springtime, all the 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 trees are blooming it's it's a beautiful beautiful day so i went out for a run and i entered the park and there's this older lady that is walking there with a walking stick or like two walking sticks like nordic uh, nordics how do you call it nordic walking sticks and she said oh um i i i hope you're going to have a fantastic run I was like, yeah, well, it's a beautiful day. And she said, I so miss running. I've like, up until three years ago, I was always running. And then I got arthritis and now I can't run. The only thing I can do is walk, but it it hurts. But I want to be outside and I, I wish you the most amazing run. I was like, I don't know this lady, but she talks to me as if she was my mom, you know. It's like, so so friendly so kind so welcoming so i felt very very much at ease in london and you may notice that my accent is is changing i actually predicted that this would happen on the walk um and it's because i'm i'm a bit of a language sponge so when i'm here i'm i don't know it's just automatic i don't do it on purpose i'm, I'm not but it's it's just you, you you i kind of adopt the the melody the, of of the the way people speak English here, right? The pronunciation is is kind of reverting to what I was taught in high school, or in you know, uh, where we were not allowed to use an American accent. So now I'm switching back because I'm starting to become very self aware that maybe I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit. So okay, I will try to stick with an American accent because otherwise you're gonna get so irritated. Like why is he not talking the way he normally talks? But yeah, it's 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 just crazy. Um, I I um I celebrated uh, Palm Sunday Mass uh, yesterday evening, so the vigil mass uh, here in the local parish, and there was a well, of course, the pastor of the church, Father John, was there, and a permanent deacon who is originally from Kerala in India, and um, and so during Mass, of course, if you're celebrating then um, you're often invited to pray part of the Eucharistic prayer, which I then did. And then I was I was actually a bit perturbed to hear me use this very British accent and just like, where does that come from? It's probably stored somewhere in my brain and just switched on and I couldn't switch it off again. And now I hope that uh, over the course of this podcast you will probably hear me kind of moving back and forth between something as a little bit more british and something that's more american and i don't know what's going to happen next week at the star wars convention but because um, i'm going to be talking to people from all over the world so my brain is probably going to go in overdrive like okay so make a choice what are you going to do Anyway, so uh, I've got much more to say about uh, about London and about the Star Wars celebration, so stick around. But let's first take a look at the news. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So, of course, the big shocking and somewhat disturbing news what came from the Vatican. Pope Francis was hospitalized. And the first the first time I heard about this was even before it was publicly announced. Um, I was uh, browsing through my Instagram feed and I'm I'm always following the updates from uh, uh, Mountain Batorek, who is uh, an American uh, guide a he's an organizer of pilgrimages and we've been in touch for many many years and he lives close to the vatican so he posted an update like it's just rumors right now but apparently the pope is is being being rushed to the hospital and i'm like oh my gosh i i hope i hope this is not too serious because you know i i have the 
Holy Week coming up. I've got Star Wars celebration coming up. But if if the Pope is is going to die, I need to go to Rome. I it's just something I do. Um, thankfully, it wasn't that bad. It uh, turns out that Pope Francis had um, an infection of the airways, and he had been pretty feeling pretty bad uh, for a couple of days. But you know, Pope Francis is pretty much. Um, He's very tough. He, he, you know, he always kind of pushes through. It's, I think it's in his character. But then at one point, he had complained to his doctor that he that he had um, heart, not heart palpitations, but like he felt that like he, he, there was pain in his heart, of course, and that puts everyone on red alert. Uh, so they rushed him to the hospital. Uh, they did all sorts of tests for a couple of hours. And they discovered that he actually had an infection of the airways, and it was because he was coughing so much, and uh, it affected the ability of his lungs to, you know, take in oxygen. That's why his heart was having a hard time. Uh, so they put him probably on antibiotics or whatever, um, and he left the hospital the next day. And I don't know if you've seen the updates. He's already like racing around on St. Peter's Square. He did, the, he did the Palm Sunday Mass. Of course, he was the main celebrant. This is the biggest week in the Catholic Church. And normally, uh, Pope Francis does all, all the Masses and all the celebrations. They, they have a plan B, which has happened in the past as well, where you know our other cardinals take over. But many pilgrims will go to Rome to see Pope Francis and to celebrate the, 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 the tritium, uh, which is the three days of, you know, Holy Thursday, uh, Holy Friday, and uh, Holy Saturday, plus the Easter Vigil. Um, they come to Rome to be with the Pope at those moments. And so um, Palm Sunday is another big one. That's the day I'm recording this on Palm Sunday. That's also always presided by Pope, by the Pope if he's able to. And so I, I, I was stunned. And also, again, I, I was a bit, I was impressed and I was at the same time a bit perturbed to see him celebrating Palm Sunday Mass on St. Peter's Square and doing the rounds and greeting everybody and kissing babies. And I was like, you, you literally were just rushed to the hospital the other day. Shouldn't you just take it easy? I don't think he can. And so, well, I was, I was in, in the end, I was actually very, um, very happy that um, probably the antibiotics immediately started to work. And if, and you can imagine that the Pope has the best doctors of the country. So, so yeah. <laughs> and then he, he joked because people were asking him questions of, you know, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? And then he, he answered, he was sitting in next to the, uh, the driver in a, in a regular car and he had the window open to shake hands with people and to wave. And he said, how are you, Pope Francis? And he said, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that is classic Pope Francis. Anyway, so, but that was that was a bit of a shock. But thankfully, it was false alarm. And yeah, he's still alive. And hopefully he will <laughs> remain alive for many years to come. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like... The guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. Now I'm going to give it to you. Okay, there is only one thing I can talk about in this movie and TV segment, uh, as you can imagine, and that is the upcoming Star Wars celebration for... Star Wars fans, um, it's the Star Wars celebration is what Easter is to Catholics. You know, it is the biggest thing and you want to be there if, if possible, if you can, you know, and otherwise you will just follow it religiously through social media and watching the live streams and trying to gather. But the thing is, there is a huge difference between watching the Star Wars celebration online and following the updates on the official Star Wars accounts and through friends that may be there and actually being there. Because they do want to make you feel special if you come to the event. And I experienced that last year, as I've shared with you um, when I was in Anaheim. Uh, the fact that you could 
see like trailers. I, I saw like a, an extended version of the trailer for The Mandalorian eight months before it was released to the general public. And they, they told everyone to shut off their phones. So it didn't leak. At least initially it didn't leak. And so they, they probably this year, they will probably also have a lot of like special moments for the people that are actually at the panels, which the other Star Wars fans. And unfortunately, I wasn't I wasn't I didn't win any um, any access to any of the panels, any of the big panels. So I'll, I'll just be like anyone else. We'll get to see that maybe maybe months later. Plus, there were rumors that that. Lucasfilm is going to announce or Disney is going to announce uh, the next movie, which, of course, is something that we've been waiting for for five years now. What is going to be the next theatrical release for Star Wars? What is this going to be about? Maybe we'll even get like a teaser trailer. Um, So that makes it a very, very desirable destination for Star Wars friends from all, Star Wars fa- uh, fans from all the, over the world. The, the downside, of course, is it's very expensive, especially if you're a North American fan. You have to travel all the way to England to be at this conference. And um, for me, it's a, a lot easier, of course, because it's, it's literally next door. I just have to cross the pond and then I'm there. But... Um, but imagine you come all the way from, let's say, from San Francisco. You fly all the way to London. You've paid. Uh, the tickets are very expensive. The trip is very expensive. Hotels are super expensive because it's in the week of Easter. So it's just like like so much tourism. So the the, the hotel prices uh, are are through the roof, unless you booked super early, like I did. So I'm staying at a hotel for what is it, thirty five pounds per night. And it's a really good hotel. So I, but it's because the moment I heard that the Star Wars celebration was going to be in London, I went online and I booked a hotel. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'll figure out where that hotel is. I don't, but I want to have, uh, uh, I want, I, I don't want to miss this. But imagine that you come all the way from the United States, you book a hotel, you pay for a very expensive flight, you you sign up for the panels, and you don't win any of the panels. You're just going to be walking around for four days, basically looking at cosplayers and 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 and, and stalls for merchandise. I, that must be a little bit of a disappointment. So my hope is that they will actually transmit some of the stuff that's happening for the live panels. That will, they will also show it on the public stage. There's always in the center of the uh, of the convention. There's always like a big live hall where they will have a podium and it's pretty up high so everybody can see it and they will do like short, smaller interviews like last year actually Hayden Christensen and and uh, uh, Ian, Mc, Ian McGregor had their big appearance on on the main stage but then they later on were also interviewed on the public stage where everybody can see it and they not last year but the years before they did show a video a live stream from the main panel in the public space as well. I hope that they will do that. They didn't do it for some reason in Anaheim, and I don't know why. But I I really, really, really hope that we'll get to see what's happening on the main stage, because otherwise so many people are going to be disappointed. You're missing out. You're there and you're still missing out because none of this is streamed online. So, yeah, we'll we'll wait and see. I, I, I recorded a video earlier this week, which I still have to edit and post, with some Jedi advice for Star Wars fans. And this would be my general advice for for life, for anything that you're looking forward to. And it's basically what Qui-Gon Jinn tells Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Phantom Menace. You remember the opening scene. They're approaching this Nemodian trade federation ship and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are sent there by the Jedi to negotiate a, a treaty because the Nemodians are blocking Naboo. There's like, like this blockade and, and Naboo is very important. They rely on trading, um, as do the Gungans on that planet. But uh, the Nemodians or Nemodians, I never know how to pronounce their names, uh, they are um, secretly working for, for Darth Sidious, a.k.a. Palpatine. Um, and so... Uh, and and Obi Wan kind of senses that he know he is like 
I've got a bad feeling about master, I've got a bad feeling about this. And then Qui-Gon Jinn says something that I take to heart myself as well. Don't focus on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. And that, that is my advice to anyone who goes to the Star Wars celebration or anyone who's trying to follow online and feels they're missing out. Just, you know, don't focus on the things that you... On, on, don't have that fear of missing out. But focus on what you do get. Focus on, 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 on the encounters. Focus on the smaller panels. There's so much to experience. And if you concentrate on the here and now without worrying about, oh, but I'm missing this and I'm missing that, and, or, or worrying about maybe you know, other stuff that can go wrong, like cosplayers that, that their lightsaber breaks or whatever. There are so many reasons for people to get upset about the things that they don't get. But you're actually doing yourself a disservice. And that this is true for any situation in life. You know, you may go to a movie and you're like, oh, the next Marvel, you know, Ant-Man and the multiverse or whatever. And, uh, and oh, I, I'm so curious what they're going to do. And then you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, actually, this movie is not what I expected it to be. There are two things you can do. You can just um, have a depression it's like, oh, this movie is terrible and I hate it. And I'm a good, when, when I'm back home, I'm going to write a terrible review. Or you could just take the movie for what it is and just enjoy it. And yeah, it may not be as good as any other movie, but does it really matter? You know, it's still entertainment. It's still fun. And this is also what, I, what I've told Star, fellow Star Wars fans who were upset about um, uh, the sequel movies. It was so much controversy around The Last Jedi and then uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, every, everybody seemed to like the, the, uh, the Force Awakens. But then the subsequent movies, they're very, very um, uh, contentious to many fans. But I, I felt that a lot of my fellow Star Wars fans were just going so overboard hating on those movies because... And, and it all came down to... I don't like this movie because it's not what I want. It's not the story. That's not how I want Star Wars to be. This is not how I want Luke Skywalker to be. You know, he shouldn't be this grumpy old strange dude who is completely antisocial now and, and doesn't want to train uh, Ray and is just sitting in his cave, like shouting at the <laughs> shouting at the world. Um, I, we want Luke Skywalker to be heroic. We want to, we want to see him in action. The same thing. Uh, criticism um, was voiced against um, the character of Boba Fett. Like, fans were upset. This is not the Boba Fett we want. We want a Boba Fett that is just, you know, going around killing people and being super dangerous. And instead, we get this old man who is, like, hanging out with sand people, seriously. But I'm thinking, and I sometimes had that type of criticism. But if you only focus on the negative, you, you miss all the positive stuff. And shouting at what you don't like is, is not going to improve things. It's not going to make the movie better if you don't, if you start, you know, being super negative about it. So instead, just give it some time. This is, this is, I, we've been here before. Remember the Phantom Menace? I, 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 I traveled to the United States to be at the premiere of the Phantom Menace. This was at the time that movie distribution was still physical. There was no digital theater. Um, you, you couldn't just, you know, send off a couple of gigabytes or terabytes to another country so you could have these big international premieres. There were actual actual film reels that had to be dispatched to Europe. And that is why a lot of our premieres were um, months later. So I traveled to the United States to first to Denver, to the Star Wars celebration there. Then I traveled to Dallas and I saw the Phantom Menace premiere in Dallas. I'd been looking forward for, for like four or five years. I had a big Star Wars website about the prequels. And so I, I was so eager to discover what this movie actually would look like. And then I, well, I liked it, but I didn't love it. And later on, subsequent viewings, I started to really not like the Phantom Menace, especially certain aspects of it, uh, like the Gungans and the overacting and even like um, 
uh, Natalie Portman's voice just was so grating. I'd only seen like little glimpses and photos, but then you hear her voice and she's got this very monotone way of speaking. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. I'm like, could you find an actress who has a better diction or is more, I don't know, more expressive? Um, so, and, and then the subsequent prequels, I just didn't care for them. I thought they were just, they were so wooden and there was a lot that I didn't like about those prequels because in my mind, I had this super impossible standard to meet, impossible to meet. And, and that's why I didn't like them. But over time, there's been this whole new generation. I'm sure I will encounter a lot of people from that generation next week at the celebration. They grew up with the prequels never saw well they obviously they did see a new hope and empire strikes back and the return of the jedi but it didn't for them that's ancient history they grew up with the prequels and they love the prequels they love the storm the, the clone trooper stories they actually really liked the character of young obi-wan and, and young anakin and then you've got the whole clone wars animated series which i initially completely skipped because i was like yeah that's prequel stuff i don't care for prequel stuff how wrong was I? What, what, I so did a disservice to myself to keep up that stupid, like, this is what Star Wars should be, and it's not what it should be, and so I don't like it. I mean, isn't that crazy? Uh, and, and so over time, I've started to really appreciate um, the, uh, the, the prequels as they are. And even though, yes, they do have their flaws, but it's not as bad as I remembered it. And I can now actually watch those movies and and, and enjoy them very much, especially also because um, over time with the, uh, with the animated series, with what they are doing now with the live action television series, they fill in the blanks. They just add context. They add... Uh, fabric to the story which makes they even do repairs in a certain way you know they they it's what they call um uh retconning you know so the stuff that was just kind of a bit strange in the prequels they will just retcon it with through through the novels and through other storytelling making it more plausible um and and that in, in turn makes me appreciate uh, the, 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 the prequels even more because it's now part of this bigger story. So anyway, that would be my big, 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 uh, advice to anyone who is looking forward to news about Star Wars, you know, keep your concentration in the here and now where it belongs. Anything else will make you unhappy. It is time for a short visit to the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! This is where I try to answer all your questions, everything you always wanted to ask about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. And this week, I want to give you a summary of what this Holy Week is all about. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? That is literally the pivotal moment in human history. Uh, that we are commemorating during this week. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. We need to talk a bit about Holy Week because Holy Week started um, on Palm Sunday. You know that Catholics have a period of 40 days called Lent. It's not exactly 40 days. It's a little bit more or a little bit less. It depends on the year, but it is roughly 40. No, actually, it doesn't depend on the year. It's always the same amount, but it's not exactly 40 days. Um, it's a little bit more than that. But Lent ends actually on uh, on the eve of Holy Thursday, or actually on Holy Thursday itself. So, But before that, we have Palm Sunday, and Paul, Palm Sunday starts the Holy Week, which brings us back uh, to the passion of Jesus and his resurrection, which for in Catholic theology is literally changing history, because not only 
did uh, the Son of God, God himself, just as much God as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, became one of us, became man, while also remaining fully God. So there are two natures in Christ. That's how theology tries to kind of explain it. So you've got uh, the divine nature of Christ and you've got the human nature of Christ. Now, Jesus willingly surrenders himself to his passion. He is being arrested. This was in the making for for months beforehand. They were always trying to kind of trick him into saying the wrong things because a lot of the establishment was afraid of Jesus because he had a very, very large following and many people were talking about him as the Messiah. So you can imagine that for people that actually were in in power at the time, having a Messiah all, all of a sudden show up, plus a Messiah that actually criticized them for their hypocrisy, it was not very welcome, uh, at least not for a lot of people. And so they tried to get rid of him. They finally were able to uh, get a hold of him after his very mess- messianic entry into, uh, into Jerusalem. And this is um, the, the whole story of Palm Sunday starts with this entry of Jesus. He is sitting on a uh, on a, on a on a donkey, but not he's not riding a horse. And this was actually part of the prophecy in 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 Isaiah, if I'm not mistaken. There's there's this talk about uh this man of God who will uh who who will come sitting on uh on on a lowly animal not not a a, the horse where normally a king that a king would ride so in the events of palm sunday you see this repeated and according to tradition this is not exactly mentioned in the bible itself but uh as part of that uh, of the stories about that day jesus entered through this very important gate that is actually still there in in jerusalem that gate is closed and the the legend tells that those doors of that those gates will only be opened when the messiah arrives and let's not forget that the the, the people that adhere to the jewish religion they too have this messianic expectation they do await the messiah the difference with with Christians is that we believe that 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 was actually Jesus. He was that promised Messiah, and so um, the 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 morning where Jesus enters Jerusalem, he goes through those gates, and people are elated. They are like, huh, "It has to be him," because he does everything that that the prophets talked about. So it must be him, and everybody is like singing Hosanna, and it's this huge celebration, which of course makes the people in charge, the power, the people in power, even more worried. You know, how are we going to handle this? If you've ever watched Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical, there's even this song where the the Caiaphas and um, Anna's are are singing to one another. Uh, what should we do with this? Jesus of Nazareth, miracle wonder man, hero or fool. And they're having this discussion like, how are we going to deal with this so-called Messiah? We have to get rid of him. And so the, the, what I like about the liturgy of Palm Sunday is that it shows these, both these elements. So you, it starts with a palm procession. So the priest blesses the, the palm branches, which are mentioned in the story, where people just take branches from the trees and they wave at Jesus. Um, but then that's not the, that's not the core uh, gospel that day. So that's only at the beginning of Mass. But then the, the gospel that is read that, that particular Sunday is the entire story of the Passion, which is super long. And it's read, and this is very rare, in a dialogue. She'll let, you'll have various roles. You'll have uh, the priest who plays the role of Jesus. You will have uh, a reader, which can be a lay person, um, who will read uh, the overall narrative. And then the people in church are also invited to read certain parts. So, for instance, if the if the populace is, is uh, yelling, like, crucify him, crucify him, the people in church are supposed to to yell that so you become very much part of that very tragic s- sequel you could say 
to the events of Palm Sunday morning. And so, uh, by the way, it's very funny. So I was in, 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 in the parish here in, in Leicester, and it was such a difference with the way we do Palm Sunday in, in, in the Netherlands. So in the Netherlands, I don't know, it's because maybe we're, we just like theater. But if, if, if I read this with the parishioners, some people will get very much into their role and they will literally like yell like, crucify him, crucify him. They will have their, their faces like mad and angry. <laughs> Here, this is, this is the UK. People are so kind and so polite. So at one point, uh, the deacon, I think, said, and, and the people and the people yelled and then everybody's like, crucify him crucify him crucify him and it's like it's almost as if uh, they were inviting jesus to come over for a cup of tea <laughs> it was really really funny anyway that's that's not not criticism it's just the kind of you you can tell that people are are a bit more restrained i think <laughs> but anyway so so palm sunday already kind of by reading the story of the passion prepares us for what the rest of the Holy Week is going to focus on, and that is actually the passion of Jesus. So his, um, the Last Supper, which Jesus celebrates, which is, you know, kind of the, the Passover meal. There is a bit debate among historians and about, uh, among biblical scholar, scholars what kind of meal it was exactly. But suffice it to say, this was around Easter, and this is mentioned in the Gospel. So Jesus was there with his apostles to celebrate the biggest feast for Jews, um, because, you know, all, all his disciples were Jews. Jesus was a Jew. So, of course, obviously, he was also going to partake in the celebration of, of Passover. But then Jesus makes it clear during um, the Last Supper that this Passover is going to to receive a completely new meaning because now it's not just the lamb that is going to be slaughtered to commemorate the departure from Egypt when they had to put the 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 blood of the lamb on the doorpost so the angel of death wouldn't uh, wouldn't kill uh, the people that lived inside, but he was going to be the lamb of God. He was going to be the sacrificial lamb who would be burdened with the the sins of everyone. He would literally give his life to pay the the price of of sin, which is death ultimately. Sin leads to death, and so. But instead of having us experience uh, the, the 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 punishment for this, Jesus is like, "I will die for you," and it's a, it's not it's not a cruel thing. Don't get me wrong; it's not like God the Father all of a sudden having a change of heart about his son and well, well someone needs to pay uh, there are certain theological interpretations that, that 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 kind of take that legalistic approach but you can also interpret it in in a way and church fathers have done that it's it's the jesus himself says at one point what is the greatest love that you can have and then he defines it he says the greatest love is to give your life for your friends and that is what jesus does that is why he hands himself over so willingly. And even when the apostles are trying to defend him by, by, by taking up the sword, Jesus tells them to not do that. You know, don't take up the sword. It's a bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Death Star. You know, when he's trying to save Luke and Leia, who of course he knows Luke and Leia are Anakin's children and they are very important for the future of the galaxy. In order to make sure that they don't die he sacrifices himself that's why he extinguishes his lightsaber if you kill me i will become more powerful than you can ever imagine and then vader strikes at him but it but he doesn't defend himself so the, for me that has always been of course later on that there have been added interpretations what obi-wan meant to say there but for me the the first time i saw this movie a new hope i clearly made the link with the sacrifice that Jesus gives on the cross to to so, so that we can have life um and that that you know what 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 does that mean i will become more powerful than you can ever imagine if you apply that to the story of Jesus it's the resurrection 
it seems, and this is why Holy Week is so important, it's a story of hope, a new hope, literally, because Jesus dies, but he will rise again and will become more powerful than the devil could have ever imagined, that anyone of uh, uh, the, the people that killed Jesus could have ever imagined. But it, it required that sacrifice. You, first, you lose your life and then you regain it. And so, and that, so the reason that's a story of hope and why we celebrate Easter and why it's so important to us is that Jesus has said later on, uh, whoever believes in me will rise, will just, will, you're mine now. You are my brothers and sisters. I will not let you die forever. No, I will give you eternal life. And it, it, it's my gift to you. And, but that gift, it's not just words. Jesus actually gives his life. And so this is, this is why Easter is so incredibly vital to our faith. If, we, if Jesus wouldn't have risen from the dead, then what hope would there be for the world? What hope would there be for me? The hope that the Gospels want to give us in the celebration of Holy Week and Easter is there is life in your future. It doesn't end with death, even though it seems that it does. And there is so much death and destruction and hatred. But remember what happened to Jesus when he went to Jerusalem. There was so much hatred. People that welcomed him with songs of Hosanna like a, a, a day later were, were cursing at him and were super disappointed in him. Well, you know, that's be patient. Jesus did rise from the dead. So... It wasn't a tragic story. It didn't end with defeat. It ended with hope and a promise that if you hold on to Jesus, that will be your future as well. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? We need to briefly talk about books. I have finally finished the second part of the famous Mistborn trilogy by Brandon Sanderson. Um, I was listening to the audiobook, which is 36 hours, so it took me a while to get through the entire book, but I'm so happy I did. I literally finished uh, listening to the story yesterday, almost around midnight. I, I, I went out for, a, for a, an, uh, a night's walk. This is blame my Apple Watch. The Apple Watch has these circles, activity circles, and you have to close them. I've been closing them for about a month now. So I was not going to to lose this strike. Uh, you know, this, this this winning, is it winning strike? I think that's the word. Anyway, so I, I went out very late, listened to the final 44 minutes of the book, and wow, what a story. I love the first book. It's about this this girl who discovers that she has magical powers and and so have a few other people in in her world. Um, but there is also a big battle going on with this super evil bad guy who actually turns out to be well, I can't say anything about that, but he turns out to be different from what everybody thinks. And then and then the second book is is once this world is established, um, you see how she is trying to find her place in this world, and she she loves this this other guy who and it's actually you know she's not supposed to um to love this guy because he is from a very high upper class of rulers where she is very lowly you know very modest uh upbringing and everything and then the story kind of brings them together and it's classic you know uh young adult type of story and it all it's 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 there are a lot of twists in the story, and there is, especially in the last few chapters, there is something that's happening where I was on the edge of my seat. Well, I wasn't on the edge of my seat because I was walking outside, but the final chapters take place at night in a very, very tense situation. And it's about ghosts and about these, these evil mists and nebulas and whatever, and there's a lot of killing and monsters and whatnot. And I was walking around in the dark. This is not London. If you walk outside London at night, there's it's a bustling city. There's life. There's lights. There's music. There's bars are open. Here I walk outside in Leicester, and I'm on the outskirts of Leicester, and it's literally dead quiet. Nobody is outside. It was cold. It was raining a bit. 
you hear some dogs barking in the distance. You see these big trees around you and it's there almost no street lanterns. And it gave me the creeps. I was literally like, um, I don't think I want to read this book right now. But I'm also, it is so atmospheric. It, it just enhanced the whole experience. And so I wanted to finish the book because I was, I, I needed a happy ending, which I'm not sure I got, but it, it did. I mean, it, it was an amazing experience. So I can highly recommend it. I'm waiting now for the audiobook to be released of the third part of the Mistborn series. It's going to be released on the 3rd of April. So that's going to be tomorrow. And you bet that on the way back to the Netherlands, I will be listening to part three because it's an amazing series. I really, really love what Brandon Sanderson did. By the way, final tip. If you want to learn a little bit more about who is this Brandon Sanderson, why is everybody so excited about what he writes? He's he's a multimillionaire thanks to his books. He did a Kickstarter where he made like $30 million. So, and it's just this one guy. And, and he's, I actually really like the guy. He's a member of the Mormon church which also makes him a bit controversial because people say, well, don't these Mormons tithe? So if I buy these books, I'm actually supporting the Mormon church. I don't want that. But anyway, there's this article. There there were two articles. One, very negative about him. Very scathing criticism. Um, and another uh, article in Esquire, I think it was Esquire, which was written like a week later. And there was a lot of controversy about the first super negative uh, uh, article about Brandon Sanderson. The second one also is a journalist also spent a lot of time with uh, with Brandon Sanderson and kind of gives a bit of a counterpoint. And I love that article. It's a very much in depth and you get to see how, how he manages um, the, 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 the the, the cre- creativity and his ideas about book publishing and it's so innovative what he does and and also extremely relatable because yeah I'm not a multimillionaire <laughs> my 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 stuff my media my creations don't reach that many people but I do I do empathize with his situation where he says you know I'm yes I'm uh, it's fantastic that I can do this work but I also realize how fragile it is it's just me if something happens to me, what's going to happen to all these people that are working for me? What's going to happen to the future of my books? So fascinating interview. I'll, I'll, I'll try to include a link in the show notes or you can just Google for it and read it yourself. A highly, highly, um, uh, reco- how do I say this? Highly recommended uh, for you to read this. Let's go into the kitchen. So let's talk about food in the UK. This begins with a horror story. When I was young, my dad used to tell us horror stories about the the culinary um, talents or the lack thereof of the English. And he told us, and in fact, later on, I I understood why my my dad was so negative about uh, uh, the, the, the English people and their food is because he loved Scotland and he loved Ireland. But he never went to the southern part of England. But he told us stories that, you you know, it's like, kids, n- never eat. When you go to London or when you go to, to England, make sure you never eat at an English restaurant. Because you know what they, they do? They put salt in their porridge. Tum, tum, tum. And we ate porridge every morning with a lot of sugar. And just the idea that, that there would be a country in the world where people are allowed to put salt in their porridge to us it was like this madness this is pure madness as children we understood that and then my dad would explain uh, uh, like the that they would use intestines in their food and all sorts of stories and i think he did it on purpose because my, my father not only was he a fan of of, of Ireland and Scotland, but also a huge fan of, of Fran- uh, France. And so we, we went on vacation to France. And of course, yeah, the French cuisine is, is, is amazing. And so uh, I think he, he on purpose tried to scare us uh, with those stories. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with, with hearty uh, porridge. In fact, 
It's one of the things that I love myself is to make savory oatmeal. I add in some chicken stock. I put in spinach, uh, bacon. I love that for, for, for breakfast. So yeah, there's actually nothing wrong with that. But of course, obviously, the, the, the English cuisine and, and is so much broader and there's a lot of good stuff here. So yesterday, I'm so lucky to have Liz as my friend because she is cooking up a storm here. I'm about to get um, Indian uh, curry. Uh, she's been cooking all Sunday afternoon for the next couple of days. So we're going to have rice with uh, various types of curry. Um, that, of course, is, is the the multicultural aspect of the of the english uh, kitchen where where with of course obviously because of their links with uh, with indian culture and lots of migrants coming from india and pakistan um you can get a lot of exotic food here i was uh, walking around in the city center in in leicester here and like literally every 100 meters there was a different restaurant or a bar and and you would smell these flavors that they were already cooking for evening service, and so I was I was running I was pretty hungry, and it was it was exciting and also a bit painful to to walk around there because you would have all these different smells of all these all, there's so much fusion happening here. Uh, Leicester is one of the most multicultural cities in 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 the in the whole of England. And it also, of course, is obvious in, in what people eat here. Now, in London, I have to say um, that I I did not eat very well. And it's because I was a bit rem in a remote place. I was near uh, above Hyde Park, near Paddington Station, whereas all the good restaurants are to the south. And I, I was walking around all day long, so I didn't have much time to go and visit restaurants. So... Um, I, I basically ate, um, I went to Greg's, which is like a very simple, they have coffee and like sausage stuff, N nothing to write home about, but you know, not bad. Their coffee is actually quite, quite drinkable. Um, and then I got l mostly like leftover stuff from Too Good To Go. Like the best meal I had was actually coming from a, a pizza maker who was, who was from Italy and he has this, this pizza, uh, store. Um, and after 9.30 at night, he has a lot of leftover pizza. So he puts it up on Too Good To Go. So for a couple of bucks, I had like a box full of pizza. And it was, mm, it was so delicious. I mean, this is pizza like you would eat in Rome or even better. It was just stunningly good. So I've been feeding myself with also, I even went to, please don't tell anyone else. It's just between you and me. At one point I had, I walked for, like, I I spent an entire day filming in in London. I went to all the Harry Potter sites and where they filmed. Uh, I went to the big modern building where they filmed scenes on Andor. So I, it was, I think, ten o'clock at night. I came home. I came out to the hotel. I was so hungry. Everything was closed except for one restaurant, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so I went to Kentucky Fried Chicken because I was hungry and I ordered a four-piece meal. And let's say it's something I will never do again. It's probably something I will need to confess because it was it was that bad. It's basically the Kentucky Fried Chicken at the end, right before closing time. It's all the chicken that nobody wants to eat. These These pieces of chicken had been sitting there for hours. They were dripping grease. They didn't look at all like the photos on the menu. No, they were like this kind of grimy brown thing. And it was like, they were four pieces, but I'm I'm almost certain that this was actually a three-piece meal. And right before they served it to me, they just broke one piece into two and had all these splintery bones. And it was... And then the fries. The fries were just like so sad. You pick up a fry and it just... It just bends. That's how old they were. The only good thing was basically the the kind of Fanta-like soft drink that they served, which was a particular, like, a, a, a UK soft drink, which was really nice. And I was super thirsty. But man, please don't go to KFC. So next week, I'm going to make repairs. 
after my culinary confession, I will go back to London and this time I will make sure I eat in restaurants and get a good taste. I, I've gotten a ton of, of, of tips while I was in, in London from people that actually know the place and they're like, oh, you got to eat there. You got to go there. Don't go and eat there. So, yeah. And then London is so amazing and there were so many other filming locations that I missed that I couldn't visit because I ran out of time. Uh, I'm I'm hoping to return very soon to London and um, and and spend maybe two weeks there. There's so much to see and so much so many stories to tell. Museums, um, the musicals, theater. There's a huge theater uh, culture in London. I and of course I I don't have time for that right now. But I love London so much that I I I've, I feel like I've discovered. Um, a new happy place and and it's actually very simple for me to just take the boat the boat you know the boat is cheap it's what is it 70 bucks for the for the journey you can travel by day and that's all you pay 70 bucks that's nothing it's cheaper than an airplane if you travel by night which actually i prefer to get a good night's sleep you pay another 65 for a hut with a good bed and then you know maybe 10 bucks for for some food but uh yeah, it's it's super affordable, and at the same time, London is a. It feels like I'm 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 in a different. Well, I am in a different country, but it feels like such a a place that is so different from where I live that it's at it's a. I feel like I've been in London for two weeks or three weeks. I've only been there for four days. Imagine if I can take you know more than a week to stay there. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share with you, uh, kitchen-wise. And I know that some of you are from the UK and you have been like yelling at your iPod, I, iPhone or whatever you use to listen to this podcast. But, but please follow up on that. Let me know where to go next time I'm in London. Um, and what I like, of course, is quality plus affordability, because I know you can get to go to really fancy restaurants. But I've been trying to use Google to figure out where to go. And unfortunately, there are lots of fake reviews in London. So I, at one point, this is what what, what uh, really disappointed me. There was this like lunch store at the station and I was reading through the reviews, like glowing reviews. Oh, the bread is so fresh and the people are so friendly. It was totally, it was a total lie. I went there. The two guys that were running the rest of the, the, the bar were super like harsh and impolite and the bread was like dry. And I don't know if this is an English thing, but they don't put butter on bread. So I got these two buns and in the middle was like this plastic sausage. It literally, it, it's, it didn't have any taste, no butter, no sauce, no lettuce, nothing. So I depend on, on you as people that are actually knowledgeable about London. Give me some tips or wh wh what I should check out and I'll, I, will, I will give it a try. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. I'll probably also spend a lot of time, of course, uh, next week with, with, with my Star Wars friends. Um, so you definitely want to listen to the next episode of The Walk and the next episode of The Break because they will coming to you from the convention floor. I'm going to walk around. I'm actually going to try to order a new audio recorder here. It was a huge mistake not to take my H2N, which I use for everything audio. Uh, and I, I just... So like, yeah, I don't need it. I'm just going to use my camera or my phone to record. It's not the same thing. My audio equipment is pretty vital. In fact, the audio that you're currently listening to, I've used Adobe voice processing to upgrade the sound because I'm just using the internal microphone of my laptop, which is, of course, pretty rubbish quality. But so, but I don't want to do the, the the same thing next week. So I'm thinking of getting not an H2 because I have one at home, but there is a even smaller audio recorder from Zoom, which is called the H1N, and it's literally the size of uh, of a of a microphone, a, a handheld microphone. Um, it's got 
very good stereo separation. So it's got the same kind of technology as the H2. It just doesn't have all the fancy possibilities, which I never use anyway. Um, so I'm thinking of ordering that and taking that one to the convention floor because uh, it's a bit of a pity. This Star Wars celebration is not every year. The next one may be in two or three years from now. And I, I know that for, for many of you, this will be a way for you to still experience the Star Wars celebration without going to, to London. So I think that warrants uh, the purchase of, a, of a, a, a new audio recorder. So uh, let's hope it will arrive in time. And with that, we are wrapping up this episode of The Break. Thank you so much for uh, listening to um, me blabbing about my experiences in London and porridge with salt. <laughs> but know that I'm having a, a blast. I love to share my photos with my patrons. So if you want to get access to, to my, uh, my journal, my travel journal, and see all the hundreds of photos that I take... Um, just go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick and not only will you get access to the Discord server and to this wonderful community but you'll also help me to do this kind of stuff and to to help me do more of this in the future so um, I, I thanks to all of you that have already joined the Patreon community um, and thanks to those of you that are actually going to do that um, make it so I would say wait, wrong franchise anyway, my final thought of the week is none other than the most important phrase in the Star Wars universe, which is, may the Force be with you. <laughs>